Daniel. Let's go to chapter number three. Chapter number three. If you're physically able to stand, I'd like to ask you to do so as I read from the Word of God here this morning. If you're not physically able to do so, we certainly understand that. That's all right. Just listen carefully as I read. It's going to be a passage that's going to be familiar to you, most likely. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was threescore cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits, and he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Do you think this guy had an ego? Yes. <laughs> Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Verse 3, then the princes, the governors, and the captains, and judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together under the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, if you don't know what that is, that's the ancestor of the trombone. Psaltery and all kinds of music, all the people and nations and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Thank you, may be seated. The mandate goes out from the government that it's time to worship. It's time to worship what? Well, here's a question for you. Really, it's more of a statement, I should say. Everybody worships something. Everyone worships something. And you know what, friends, the sooner we understand this, the sooner the facade, the, uh, the, the fancy words that people try to hide behind, oh, I'm an atheist, or I'm, I'm irreligious, but I'm still spiritual. <laughs> How many times have we heard that, right? Oh, I'm spiritual. Yeah, you are, actually. Every person at their core is spiritual. We're a spiritual being, among, as well as being a spiritual being in a physical uh, a vehicle that moves us around. But we are at our core spiritual. So if you're witnessing to somebody, it's, well, I'm very spiritual. Well, actually, in a sense, you're right. <laughs> you are spiritual. That's not what they mean, though, right? I, I'm okay because I'm spiritual. Listen, understanding that everybody worships something cuts through all of that stuff. Well, the government here of Nebuchadnezzar, who, by the way, um, did not have a constitution similar to the United States of America, right? <laughs> King Nebuchadnezzar, it wasn't like, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, there was none of that. It was all, whatever King Nebuchadnezzar says, that's the law, that's what you do, <laughs> right? 
So he says, okay, I'm going to make an image of myself. I'm going to make a statue of myself, and you're all going to worship it. Okay, that's what we're going to do. All the princes and the governors and the captains and everybody is going to gather together. We're going to play music. By the way, you see music is involved in worship. Isn't that interesting? I'm not preaching on music this morning, all right? But music expresses the heart of man. So what's ever in our hearts, music can both express that and, bo- and influence that. It's kind of like a circle. We got to be careful when we use music, amen? Because it's so intimately connected with our hearts. Now, some people don't use music at all then. Well, I'm too afraid of it. Well, that's, that's disobeying our commands to actually use music to encourage each other even, right? But I promise I wouldn't preach on music. There I go. All right? But here comes the music. Everybody bows down and worships. Verse 8. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near. You got to say it like that, by the way. Chaldeans. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And what did they do? They accused the Jews. They had the spiritual gift of accusation. The spiritual gift of finding flaws in others. We could park there for a while. Verse 9, they spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Never underestimate, by the way, the power of influence. The power of influence. As we pray for our leaders today, the power of influence is something that we should never forget. I really believe that uh, in this administration and previous administrations, there are advisors that have lied through their teeth. And leaders only make decisions basically based on the information that they have. And as we pray for our leaders, whether that's on a local level, a state level, a federal level, whatever that is, we need to be praying that the Lord would bring good advice, good uh, information, good advisors. That's so vitally important. Well, these guys are really buttering up the king, aren't they? (laughs) Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. (laughs) And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews... Whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Dun, dun, dun. Who are these certain Jews? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of course, those weren't their Hebrew names. Part of what happened back in chapter 1 and even prior to chapter 1, really, as, the, as, the, as God's people were taken into captivity, uh, the Babylonians would do their utmost best to sever them from their prior connections. They sought out the best and the brightest, and they wanted to do everything that they could possibly do to separate them from their history and from their heritage. Do we not see that today, by the way? People trying to separate us from our history and heritage in here as a nation. Now, please, I don't want anyone to misunderstand, so I want to make sure I get it on recording, okay? That the United States of America is not the uh, modern-day people of God. 
right? The people of God were defined ethnically in a sense. Uh, well, more than a sense. They were defined that way. Uh, the, the children of Abraham, right? And Jacob, what was Jacob renamed to? Israel, right? God's people. And there's still promises outstanding that God has yet to fulfill to his people. And he's going to do that one day. So uh, uh, church today is a, well, you've got a wonderful chart back there. I was looking at that over there. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, because this is the topic of the message, all right? You can take a look at that chart there. The church age, the grace age, all right? Salvation's always been by grace. Noah found what in the eyes of the Lord? grace okay salvation's always been by grace but how he has demonstrated that has been different in different ages uh, and courses of time you understand all right the church hasn't replaced israel either in fact when we come to that verse if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves right and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways amen okay if you want to apply that by principle, you have to apply that to Christians. If you want to apply it by principle. Now, originally it's given to the children of Israel, right? But a lot of people, when we come to that verse, we apply it to the United States of America. All right, listen, friends, I am very grateful to live in the United States of America. I, I believe that America is a nation that was founded on principles found in the word of God. Not every founding father was a Christian. I know that, but many of them were number one. And number two, there was a sense of that there is a God and there's absolute truth. And that makes a huge difference. So that was a big parenthetical statement, but I want to put it on record there. That when I talk about people, it's a, it's a pattern, no matter who the oppressor is, is to come in and try to sever people from their history and from their heritage. Because if you don't know your history, you don't know your heritage, then you have no anchor, you have no root. And that's what they, were, that's what they did to these guys. They renamed them. They had to learn a new language. Uh, uh, they did other things to them that were, that were horrible. But yet, apparently, they didn't serve Nebuchadnezzar's gods. Look at verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music. You fall down and worship the image which I have made well. In other words, it's good for you. I'll give you, I'll give you another chance. Maybe you didn't understand. Maybe there's a language barrier, right? Maybe you didn't get the memo. <laughs> but if he worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. In other words, they're saying, our God can do it. You doubt our God. Our God has the power to deliver us. Listen, friends, here this morning, I want you to know that God's arm has not grown short that he cannot save. God's just as strong as he ever was. God's just as powerful as he ever was. He's just as, as desirous to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. It hasn't changed, friend. 
And I really believe that we are about, we're in the middle of, of seeing God do some amazing things. Don't lose faith. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. But this entire passage turns on the, on the next three words. But if not. You say, well, Brother Ben, there's more to the story. I know. <laughs> Brother Ben, more stuff happens. They get thrown in the burning fire furnace. I know. <laughs> Brother Ben, they, 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 they throw three guys in, but yet there's four in there. Yes, I know. That's the story. I know. And it's not just a story. You understand? That's history. Okay, it really happened. I know. I know. But that's not what I'm focusing in on. See, we knew, we know the end of the story, but they didn't. They didn't know. They knew God was able to save them. But guess what? They were going to trust him anyway, even if he didn't. Now think about this with me, friends. I see a grave weakness in many of our churches today. And that is people want revival, quote unquote, because they want to go back to a comfortable way of living. They want to go back when we didn't have to worry about the forces of evil knocking on our doors or rubbing shoulders with us so much. They want to go back. I had people, well, good people, write me even this week and say, oh, Brother Ben, uh, uh, could you recommend a different social media platform? Because I just don't like seeing certain things on social media. Now, I, I understand what they're asking me, but at the same time, what they're trying to do is they're like, oh, there's, there's, too, much, there's too much bad things going on, and I, I'm really tired of that. I want something that's kind of sanitized. Listen, when these three young men, they were, they were kids, when they were ripped away from their home, when their names were changed, they never saw their parents again, and, and, and they were, uh, uh, so I see different ages in here, so I'll be discreet, but different things were done to them. I mean, where was God and all that? Listen, God, they still trusted God anyway. And the weakness that I see in our churches is that we're setting ourselves up for a big problem if we think that God somehow has to respond a certain way. That, oh, well, you know, we need to have a, a different president, or we need to have different leadership, or, or we need to have, that's how God's going to work. I, I know some people that are absolutely married to that. Yes. And they're going to be in for a big surprise when God doesn't work that way. Well, things wrong were done. I know that. Things have been wrong, done wrong since the Garden of Eden. Well, God's going to make them all right. Yes, eventually. But did you know that he's not really in charge of the world right now? (gasps) How can you say that? Who's the prince of the power of the air? The devil. He's running things right now. Now listen, that doesn't mean that God's not on his throne. It doesn't mean that God's not sovereign. The devil had to ask for God's permission uh, to work on Job, right? But here's the point, friend. The point that I'm trying to get across to you is that I think we are going to see revival, but it's not going to look like what most churches and believers in America think it's going to look like. These guys were really, this is a key, this is the core of revival, but if not. In other words, it's not the fear of man. Because the fear of man, what what does it bring? A trap, right? A snare. And we've got a lot of Christians today that are like, you know, I'll stand for the Lord as long as other people do. I'll, I'll, I'll stand alone as long as there's a lot of other people. But if not, 
Friends, let me ask you a serious question here today. That, that's the whole message, by the way. I told you it wasn't going to be super long. But that doesn't mean it's easy. But if not, listen, I'm as allergic to pain as anyone else. <laughs> so much of our life is spent in trying to avoid difficulty, right? We lived for 15 years in a fifth wheel trailer. That was, we had, well, we had three different ones. Some of you may remember, we brought several of those here to the church over the years and such. That was my idea of camping, you know. Nice fifth wheel with a hot water for the shower and a microwave. And I could watch uh, my Spartan football game on the television, you know. And <laughs> controversy in the church. Uh, you know, anything's better than Wolverine, though, brother. Uh, that's, that's, okay. I got an amen there. Okay. That's found in the Bible. You just got to really read between the lines, okay? <laughs> but, you know, that was my idea of camping and such. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, my wife, on the other hand, uh, you know, she grew up as a missionary kid in Mexico and, and uh, has experienced a whole lot of things that, that I hope I don't. You know, I, 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 I'm not some kind of... Uh, uh, glutton for punishment, so to speak. I like the niceties and the comforts that we have. But I start looking around at our brothers and sisters in Christ at other poor parts of the world, and I look at myself, and I think, wow, I fall very short. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, even over these days in Afghanistan, as they were abandoned, to fend for themselves, well, it's hard to get accurate news these days. Has anyone else noticed that? But there's no doubt that at least some of the underground church has already gone on to be with Jesus. And yet we have trouble when the AC goes out. Yeah. Ah, church, Listen, friend, I, I, I want, please don't misunderstand me, okay? I, I understand that we need to take ad, adequate precautions. I have a grandmother, one grandparent left, who uh, is very careful going out and about with different viruses and things that are going on. I understand those things, folks. Please believe me. But we also have to come to terms with the fact that what are we going to allow to keep us from obeying the Word of God? We, we have to gauge those things. Listen, it's difficult. when You know why it's difficult? Let's just, let's just be honest. You know why it's difficult? Because we say, well, I'll never worship anything else other than God. That's easy to say, right? If someone said, you need to worship Allah, you know, of course, we'd stand up. We'd say, no, there is only one God, and he's the God of the Bible. Amen. We would stand for that. That's not the problem. The problem comes when we're told that we cannot obey things that the word of God tells us to do. And then we're like, well, well, should we do it this way or that way? Listen, different places are different in different parts of this country. We have been all over this country literally since this pandemic began. Okay, and different churches have chosen to deal with things in different ways. But some churches are downtown San Francisco. And if they do things certain ways, they're putting their elderly population at risk for being beaten up. And then we're also in some churches that are in like the heart of Indiana. Well, you can be really bold, you know, when you're in the heart of Indiana and the whole town's like on your side. We have to be wise as serpents. 
That's why I try to avoid preaching a lot of application, when uh, specific applications, because I'm in different churches all the time. Listen, right here in Madison, you're on the devil's doorstep. You know that. I have never felt oppression in the past. I'm not feeling it today, praise the Lord. Maybe later this week, you never know. But I've never felt oppression like I have felt here in, in the past. It's difficult to, to concentrate sometimes. Pastors share with me. Other guests have come in and said the same thing. There's only two places I've ever felt that. One's in Madison, Wisconsin. The other is Bay City, Michigan which uh, for a lot of years was given over to the occult. There's actually some good Bible preaching churches there and have seen some real progress for the Lord. And it can be done, but it's got to be the Lord. That's a whole nother message. But as we close this morning, let me just ask you, Ben, you're really not going to say the end of the story? No. But if not, will you stay faithful? Well, you ask the Lord, Lord, help me to be faithful. You realize that's God's measuring stick. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, I'm convinced that if Jeremiah were raising uh, funds today in many of our churches, he'd have a hard time. So Jeremiah, you know, uh, tell us uh, how many how, how many people have believed the message? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Oh, okay, all right, next year. Hey, Jeremiah, how many people have listened to you? Zero. Okay, uh, let's have a little conversation. Are you preaching the right message? Are you sure? Absolutely, I'm preaching what God wants me to preach. All right, okay, third year. Jeremiah, things have improved? Actually, I spent uh, a long time in a pit. A pit? What? A pit of despair? No, no, a literal pit. All right. But Jeremiah isn't judged on how many people believed his message. He was judged on how faithful was he with the message. Listen, friends, I don't, I don't, I actually find this encouraging. How can I find this encouraging? Because our obedience to God does not depend on anybody else. See, I don't have to wait for a certain news report or certain leadership or anything for me to say, Lord, the best I know how I'm going to be faithful to you. Would you enable me to do that? All of us can say that. All of us can come along and say, Lord, would you help me to be faithful? And you're going to have to, some of you in, in your jobs, you're, you're weighing all kinds of different options and you don't know which one to choose. Listen, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you what to do. But the Holy Spirit will guide you and he will, as, and if your primary purpose and your hope and your desire is, I want to be a testimony of the word of God and who Jesus Christ is in my heart and my life. Listen, the Holy Spirit's going to guide you. As we get together tonight with other churches and they show up here, we're going to sing together tonight. You know that. Did you all stop singing here? Good. (laughs) They were telling churches, yo, you're not allowed to sing. Isn't that interesting? We can get together for Lollapalooza or whatever it is and have all these things and, and such. Just move the service to Walmart. We'll sing in the aisles, right? I'm using a little bit of humor, but as you guys know, it's not all humor. Singing together is going to encourage people's hearts to love the Lord more and to keep going for Christ. But if not, we're going to serve anyway. We're going to serve the Lord anyway. But if not, we're going to keep following the Lord anyway. But if not, we're going to still believe the Word of God. But if not, we're still going to gather together as God's people. Come what may. 
We're going to be faithful. And you know what? The testimony of your church, as we travel from church to church, we take your testimony to others, as even as we bring others' testimony to you. I'll close with this. We were out in California. And actually, we were out in California in March of 2020. And if you remember, that's when things started happening. And as we were out there in March of 2020, they started. we were just south of San Francisco. And they started shutting down there. And the meetings we had were just south. And the last night of the meeting, we actually transitioned to being virtual. Right? Nobody knew what was going on, et cetera, et cetera. And as we traveled down, we like finishing our meetings. It was only, and then we went to Tucson, and that was the hot spot for a while. While we were there, in fact, okay? <laughs> Interesting. And then uh, we moved on, and then we, we were in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and that became the hot spot while we were there. We were moving all the like, way. hmm, well, interesting. Yeah, no, we didn't. We weren't carrying the virus everywhere, okay? You say, well, how do you know that? Well, then I went and got tested, okay? So I've had my blood tested, etc. I had the privilege of having the COVID virus back last October, which I did not appreciate the experience. All right, it took me several months to get my voice back because of lung capacity, etc. All right, I'm not one of these folks that says it doesn't exist. Of course it exists. All kinds of different viruses exist. But let me tell you something. We decided to go back out to California this past spring. We did not know what to expect. Were we going to find a bunch of beaten down Christians who were discouraged and just barely hanging on by a thread? By and large, that is not what we found. You know what we found? We found determination. We found a seriousness. We found churches that were listening with rapt attention when they sang, let me tell you, it raised the rafters off. I mean, there was just, it, it, It was the most physically challenging trip we've ever done because of all the mandate stuff on the outside. But when we were with the body of Christ, there was a newness. I'm getting chills right now. I I can't describe it to you. There was a seriousness. There was a life. There was a life there. It was like, oh, yeah, you know what? we got to make a choice. Are are, are we going to love this world or are we going to love the Lord? And they said, we're going to love the Lord. I thought, man, all these people in California, they, you know, they're going to be beat. Nope. It was the opposite. They were, they, what's that? Amen. That's what I was thinking of. If you were here in Sunday school, you know, he's talking about Aaron's rod. Life. Why? The pre- Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because when Christ's life lives out through us, we don't have to be afraid. When Christ's life lives out through us, because we say, but if not, I'm going to follow you anyway. That kind of dedication and determination gets contagious. And you know what? We need that to be contagious in these days, day and age. Even to our brother, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have been to some churches where fear has taken hold. And let me tell you, it's a completely different situation. Yeah, it, it, and, and people, there's no joy. There's no joy. Friends, how about you? But if not... I'm grateful that the Lord has allowed us to go through what we've gone through because it helps us do kind of a, an engine check. Is the light on, right? Is the check engine, ooh, I didn't respond to this in faith as much as I wanted to, right? I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. How about you this morning? In a crowd this size, a congregation this size, listen, friends, there's going to be people here where we're not going to all agree on every jot and tittle of how we interact with the world around us having to do with 
the different health things that are going on, etc., etc. Completely understand that. Believe me. Uh, my wife and I both have family members and extended family members who have chosen to take different actions and different responses, etc. That's not what this message is about. If you think that's what this message is about, then you miss the point. We respect each local church as we travel, and if that local church is full of masks, we put them on because we're going to be a blessing to them. If that church isn't, then we don't. Okay? That's not the content of the message. The message is, are you going to be faithful to the Lord even if he doesn't work the way you think he should? That's the message. That's tough. That's tough. But you know what? We need to ask the Lord to enable us to do that. If you're here this morning and say, Brother Ben, I, I, I needed that message this morning. That message was for me. I won't point you out or embarrass you. Would you say, that's me, Brother Ben? Would you simply lift your hand up and put it down? Amen. Amen. Yes. Thank you. Yes, I see that. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Many, many folks. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're listening or watching online by way of the live stream or recording and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, listen, you're not going to have the strength to do what's right without the Holy Spirit indwelling you. And that happens when you trust Jesus Christ and his payment on the cross of Calvary for your sins. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. And we can't be perfect like God, but... And, and that means our penalty is death. That's not just physical death. That's eternal death in a terrible place called hell. But the Father, that's God, sent the Son, that's Jesus, to be the Savior of the world. That includes you. And if you'll trust him and believe he rose again from the dead, you can be saved. The Holy Spirit will take up residence in you and he'll give you the strength to do what's right. After I pray, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Dean. To close as he sees fit, friend, let's allow the Lord to do his work in our hearts. Dear Lord, I thank you for the testimony of these three young men who determined, even after everything bad had happened to them, they still were going to be faithful. What a challenge that is. Lord, I, I think sometimes I'd like America to be what she was in the past in the sense of comfort. But on the other hand, I think to myself, maybe... Maybe we need the wake-up call. Maybe we need to be broken of some of our addictions to, to the non-obvious things, such as comfort. And, Lord, I, I just leave that in your hands. But help us to be strong. Many hands lifted this morning. Lord, I pray you'd seal those decisions in our hearts. I pray in your name.